1892, Rabbi Leopold Cohen passed an open door to a church on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and heard someone preaching the gospel in Yiddish, the language of his Jewish-Hungarian homeland. After reading the New Testament he received from the young Jewish preacher, Rabbi Cohen gave his life to Jesus and became deeply burdened for the salvation of his fellow Jewish people. This was the birth of Chosen People Ministries. Rabbi Cohen began reaching out to the tens of thousands of poor Eastern European Jewish immigrants. Under his inspired leadership, the mission he founded provided food and clothing, taught English and sewing classes, offered medical care, and shared the good news of Jesus the Messiah. Rabbi Cohen understood the importance of not only sharing the gospel with words, but also by showing the love of Jesus to his chosen people. As a result, many Jewish people came to faith. Rabbi Cohen's son, Joseph Hoffman Cohen, succeeded him, and Chosen People Ministries continued to grow. Headquartered in the heart of New York City, which has the highest concentration of Jewish people in the world, Chosen People Ministries also ministers in over 20 cities throughout North America. Although our world has changed since the days of Leopold Cohen, our mission statement remains the same. Our mission is to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve Jewish people everywhere and help fellow believers do the same. This great historic work stands on the sure word of Scripture, especially Romans 1.16, where the Apostle Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We plant Messianic congregations, centers, and Jewish ministries on college campuses. We organize Messianic children's camps, conduct social media gospel campaigns, and bring dozens on short-term mission trips in the United States, Israel, and other places where Israelis travel. We also equip both Jewish and Gentile believers through our Messianic Jewish Studies program, Bible conferences, church presentations, and producing books and training materials. In addition to the United States, our work has expanded to 17 countries, and Brazil is next. Our work in Israel is extensive. Chosen People Ministries is one of the largest mission agencies operating in the Holy Land. It includes ministry to Holocaust survivors, running a children's camp for Israeli children, operating food and clothing distribution sites, and two messianic centers. We also send teams of young people annually to encourage Israelis and assist our staff in their outreaches. Here are some ways you can help Pray for Chosen People Ministries. We covet your prayers as we reach God's chosen people. And you can support the work of Chosen People Ministries by giving today. We cannot serve the United States and the 16 other countries around the globe without your generosity. Thank you for your partnership. And we look forward to the next season of our ministry and working together with you to reach the Jewish people with the gospel. Well, good morning, church. Thank you for your invitation and your hospitality. Before I say anything else, let me introduce my wife and my ministry partner. Uh, 
she has been looking out for me for 51 years. And uh, we've been 50 years in the same ministry. I know you may not know a lot about Chosen People Ministries, but let me just say this. We're one of you. We were organized before there was a Southern Baptist Convention. We were part of the American Baptist before, right after the Civil No, I wasn't with them. Uh, One little boy asked me, he said, did you know Noah? And I said, no, I'm not quite that old, but um, we we are one of you. Uh, I was in an accident. Well, I was, I fell, well, three times. And uh, I'm a little injured, so please forgive being on the floor and using the cane. And, And also, I'm wearing my coat. I'm a little embarrassed about the brace that I have on, but hey. I got to do what I got to do. Uh, we're going to share some ministry with you this morning uh, through Jewish eyes. Let me explain what I mean by that. The Bible is a Jewish book. It was written by Jews, for Jews, to Jews, and about Jews. Its central theme is the redemption of the Jewish people. And by the grace of God, there is a wild olive branch that's been grafted in which is the non-Hebrew. And we believe, and we're very consistent with teaching the Bible from its Hebraic Jewish perspective, using the language, the culture, the traditions um, of the Bible to teach you the Bible. So that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. Um, We had the ushers hand out a brochure about Chosen People Ministries. And I want to make sure at least everybody got one, not everybody, but one to a family. Do you need a brochure? Does anyone need one? It's going to be very important for me at the close of the service. Okay, very good. Thank you, ushers. I appreciate that. Uh, The children's choir, the choir, the children's presentation was absolutely amazing. I appreciate all the work and effort that went into it. But the only thing that really stood out in my mind is I can remember a day when I could run up and down the stairs like that. I, I, I was amazed. I mean, the agility of children and the ability they have to respond. This is the prime time to share the gospel with them. It's absolutely amazing. I want to also... Uh, Thank you for your beautiful facilities. Uh, Did you know that the architecture of this church comes from the Galilee ministry of Jesus? You you see these beams and the upper portion of what's called an internal flying buttress and the lights hanging down? Let me tell you the mentality passed down from generation to generation of where this came from. When the fishermen would come in at daybreak from the Sea of Galilee, the Lake Kinneret, when they would come in, they had to dry the nets and dry the fishing boat. They built a little fire, started lamps, a lamp that is a light unto my feet. They turned the boats upside down in the morning sun. You see the upside down fishing boat? And they would study the Bible in the upside down fishing boat on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. This is where that architecture came from. So when you see the flying beams and the uh, upside-down fishing boat, 
Remember, this is a place to honor the, the Word of God that has been there since the first century. So what I'd like for you to do this morning is turn with me to Mark chapter 11. I think we're going to have the scriptures up on the screen. Now, what I want to do, if you'll bear with me, is I want to go through these scriptures in what is called an exposition method. I want to expound to you these scriptures from a Jewish perspective. Jesus only spoke to the people in the language they understood. The language they understood was agriculture. They were an agrarian people. It was fishing. It was anti-Roman. Jesus spoke to the people in a language they understood. Now, this is a week before Passover. Now, we're in an unusual season this year. Am I doing something wrong? I'm hearing it like a vibration. That must be just my hearing aid. Uh, We're in a week before Passover. In that week before Passover, there was in Israel an unbelievable anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. The coming of the Messiah, I think I went off. Oh, God. Wouldn't you know it? I'm going to find a way. Just a minute. I, I actually turned this off, and I'll explain to you what happened as soon as I return it off. Just this, excuse the interruption, and I'll I'll explain. I served in Montgomery as a volunteer chaplain for Montgomery Fire and Rescue. And when there's an incident that they need the chaplain, I have those calls on what we call bypass. So no matter uh, if the phone is on or off, those calls from Montgomery Fire and Rescue will come directly, and that's what happened. Now, I'm a little far away to respond this morning, but I've got backup already in place, so excuse the interruption. And this is my Bible, but I'm going to use the screen in order to help me. We're going to do this in an expository fashion, teaching you what Jesus was talking about in this week before Passover. Now, we have three historians that give us the incidents and the circumstances and the situation before Passover. Jerusalem, at this point, was a city and surrounding area of about 100,000 people. Now, before the holy days, Deuteronomy 16.60, that's amazing. Can you hear it? I'm so sorry. If I knew... This phone's not even turned on. 
Does anybody know how to turn off an iPhone? Uh, you're supposed to hold the sound in the... Okay. You just take it and throw it away. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Jerusalem had gone, grown at the holy days to a population of about 300,000. Now, these things that happened in the ministry of Jesus did not happen in a vacuum. To make a long story short, everyone was in anxious anticipation of the Passover next week. The Passover next week was the Passover that they believed would reveal the coming of the Messiah and the Yeshua, Yeshua, the one who saves, that we transliterated Jesus, had revealed himself in many different ways, including John chapter 10, in many different ways as the Messiah. So there was this unbelievable anxious anticipation. Uh, but remember, Jesus only spoke to the people in the language they understood. So he's got to make an entry into Jerusalem. He's got to make an entry into the temple. That's part of what the Messiah does as he comes into Jerusalem. As he comes into Jerusalem, he instructs them from Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9 specifically tells us that when the Messiah comes, when the king comes, he shall be riding on a colt, on a baby donkey. Now, remember, Jesus only spoke to the people in the language they understood. So he sent two. Why two? Because every event must be confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let me give you a little movie commercial. There's a movie out entitled His Only Son. This movie is about Abraham and Isaac. Genesis 22 teaches us that Abraham obeyed God to go to Mount Moriah. He took with him, watch, two witnesses. Where did he lead the two witnesses? A three-day journey from the sacrifice. Jesus only spoke to the people in the language they understood. So he took the two witnesses and he sent them to fulfill the Zechariah passage and bring him a colt. As they brought him a colt, the people went for palm branches. Why the palm branches? Because the coming of the Messiah is fulfilled in the holy day of tabernacle, in the holy day of Sukkot, the building of the tabernacle. By the way, when we get back to it uh, in the wintertime, I'm going to teach you that Jesus was born in the tabernacle in the Sukkot. But the Sukkot, is governed by the palm branches as they build a typical traditional shelter. The Messiah is a shelter to bring us out, to bring us in the Passover, to bring us out of Egypt, to bring us into a new life. No, Nicodemus, uh, none of that's going to work unless you're born again from above. You cannot see the kingdom of God. So he brings us out to bring us in. So they anticipated tabernacles. Now, where do they get the palm branches? Everywhere. When you go to Israel with me, 
in October of 2024, you're going to see the city of palms when we go to Jericho. You're going to see palm branches all over Jerusalem. You're going to see the olive tree. You're going to see the grapes. You're going to see the agricultural impact of the Bible that Jesus used. We studied in Sunday school this morning, uh, small group, I, I don't know the new vocabulary, Sunday school. We studied in Sunday school, John chapter 15, and the pruning of the vine. There are three different great vines and three different ways of pruning. And John chapter 15 is such a beautiful agricultural illustration of how God prunes us. Uh, someone mentioned self-pruning. And I'm not going to correct the lesson, but let me explain to you, you can't do self-pruning. You can't hold the knife and cut the vine at the same time. The only way to be pruned is through the Holy Spirit. So Yeshua, Jesus, is talking to us through the Holy Spirit. He's talking to us in a language they understand. And the people go and get palm branches because they're welcoming the Messiah. I doubt there was a choir I doubt there was singing, but there was joy. They were crying out with joy for the coming of the Messiah. They saw him on the coat, and they brought the palm branches. Now we get to the garment. And those who went before those who followed him shouting, Hoshana, that's save us now. You hear Yeshua in that Yoshana, the saving us now. And those who went before, shouting, Hoshana, Baruch Habab Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They acknowledge the coming of the Messiah. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hoshana. You see, in the theology of the five denominations of major Judaism in Jerusalem at that time, there was a belief of two messiahs. And if you're not careful, you can see it very... It's one messiah, but he has two different portraits. There's the messiah son of Joseph, Mashiach ben Yosef. He's the suffering servant who did nothing wrong, stayed loyal to his people, and God blessed him in the end. And then there is King David, Second Samuel chapter 7, whose throne will be forever. Mashiach ben David, the king of David, the coming king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Hoshana, the one who will save us. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hoshana in the highest. They acknowledged the coming of the Messiah. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around and everything was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Bethany and Bethpage are they, they, they are in Jerusalem. They, they have a different name, but they entered into Jerusalem. When they entered into Jerusalem, they... Let, let, let me go to the next verse. Uh, and he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. Let me... Uh, verse 12. I mean, that... I, I got it. It may not be on there. Uh, Thank you, Pat. Since your phone was there. Yeah, since I put my phone away. And on the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree, he went in to see if he could find anything on it. 
And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for the fig. And he said, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. This was the closing of the agricultural illustration of the coming of what we call the triumphal entry. Now, the, the fig tree is just a simple agricultural representation that you either do it this way or you do it wrong. So the people, as he came into Jerusalem, were waving the palm branches, and they also, and we have the English word garment. It's, that's fine, I'm going to explain it to you, but I want you to know they didn't take their clothes off and throw them on the donkey or throw them in the street. There is a specific element that we call the garment, and I want you to see it. Uh, it can be worn in many different ways. This one is worn more like a shawl. But in the days of Jesus, they were worn as a poncho, a front and a back, and it's an outer garment or an overcoat. And so this garment is very special in the fact that it's a physical representation of the Messiah, of the King. From the tabernacle, we have blue for royalty and white for purity. These colors are represented and brought to us in an explanation of the putting together of the tabernacle. Now, the temple that he entered into was simply a tabernacle with stone walls around it. So it's exactly the same thing. This is the garment, the outer garment, that is very precious to the Hebrew people. It has fringes on the corner of the garment, and they are called the, the wings of the garment. You remember the woman with the issue of blood? And she came up to Jesus and she touched the hem of his garment and she cried, he cried out, who touched me? This is all she touched was the fringe. Now this fringe is also blue and white and it's tied in specific numerical order. There are no numbers in biblical Hebrew. There is a representation of each number in the biblical Hebrew, and these are tied to pronounce yod hey vav hey, the unpronounceable name of God. Now, if you add the vowels into it, the E and the A and the O, you'll get the word Yahovah, uh, Jehovah, but this is the, the, the name of God. So this is a representation of God's salvation, of God's beauty, of God's purity. And this is a garment that they threw on the donkey and they took off of them and put it onto the ground to welcome the coming of Jesus. This is a garment that is still used by religious Jewish people today and it is used in a very special way on special days and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to leave it right here and let you come and take a look at it at the, uh, at the close of the service. This is the garment that they put on the donkey and on the fields. And they took the palm branches, which represent the tabernacle. The tabernacle represents and teaches us the dwelling place of God, the abode of God. 
So using all of these agricultural, using all of these vocabulary illustrations, Jesus spoke to the people in a language they understood. So here in the triumphal entry is the introduction to Jesus as the Messiah. Now in a week, we're going to celebrate the Passover. Now, I'm following the chronology in the time of Jesus, not necessarily next week here, but in the following chronology of the Passover, we have in John chapter 12, we have what appears to be a contradiction. We talk about sacrificing the Passover lamb. And yes, Jesus was the Passover lamb. But in the temple, after the triumphal entry, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of Passover lambs. So the night before Passover, Jesus meets with his apostles in what we know of as the upper room. And he teaches through the Passover that he is the lamb. As often as you take this cup, Do it in remembrance of what I'm about to do for you. That's the third cup of the Passover. As often as you eat this bread, eat it in remembrance of what is about to happen to me. And he crushed the bread. And he passed the bread out freely to all who would accept it. He introduced the Passover lamb. He taught the Passover. Then the next day, he became the Passover lamb. Let me explain. At the Passover, after the tabernacles and the triumphal entry, Judas, who was the only one that was not a Galilean, leaves the table. He goes to the temple for what we know of as the betrayal of Jesus. He goes to the temple. Where did he know how to find Jesus after the triumphal entry? All of the others were Galileans. There is in Jerusalem, I can't wait for you to see it, a beautiful acre of land in the middle of the bustling, hustling city, much like the the Central Park in New York City. And what it is, it's a miniature Galilee in the city. The, the water, the grapes, the olives, the bread, everything that you find in the Galilee, you find on the Garden of Gethsemane, the place of the pressing. Judas leaves. He comes north through the the Garden of Gethsemane, comes toward the south, knowing that the Galilean apostles would be there, and he finds Jesus. So what we have is a picture that all is connected together. First we have the Passover, the, the explanation of the Passover. Then we have the crucifixion, which is the fulfillment of the Passover, the execution. Then we have the burial, We have the resurrection. We have the entire gospel message in these weeks, in these few days between the triumphal entry and the resurrection of Jesus. So what is the triumphal entry? The triumphal entry to you with the palm branches, with the garment, the triumphal entry to you is an explanation of what's about to happen. You see, there were many people, even though there was a great anticipation of the coming of the Messiah, 
there were multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people who had never accepted the Messiah as their personal Savior, which is what you have to do, which is what he explained to Nicodemus. And in these multitudes of people, some, some were there who knew the Lord. Some were there who had already made this decision, but most not. And so he's introducing himself as the Messiah. He is bringing to them the absolute incredible knowledge based on a language they understood that he's the Messiah. Now, what about you? We don't throw our garments on the street today and we don't see Jesus riding on a donkey and we don't wave the palm branches in the streets today, but the introduction is the same. If you're not only in this church, but in this lifetime, in this lifestyle, if you have not personally accepted Jesus as your Savior, all of this that we're doing is an introduction for you. It's an invitation to you. It's a reason for you to know what... Now, I know you don't know, most of you don't know the heritage and the language and the tradition of the Jewish people, but remember, Jesus only speaks to us in the language that we understand. So he's explaining to you in the languages that you understand that he's the Messiah. He's the garment. He's the olive branch. He's the uh, great commission that we see later on in Matthew 28. The great commission is so important. The, these missionaries that you're supporting... All of that is based on the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Then he teaches, go ye therefore into all the nations. So in this Mark 11 passage, as he explains the triumphal entry to you, he's also speaking to you in the language that you understand. It may be Sunday school. It may be small group. It may be a Bible study group but he's reaching out to you in this time before the Passover because the Passover is that time of redemption. Now, it doesn't have to be that day. It doesn't have to be that night. It has to be a moment in your heart when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to him and you come to a knowledge and understanding that, oh, save us now, that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah the triumphal entry turned into a horrible, horrible execution of the Passover lamb. But in the execution of the Passover lamb, you see many, many more beautiful pictures. A bone of him shall not be broken. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see the beautiful presentation of Yeshua as the Messiah. So, this is not about the children and the wave offering of the first group. This is not about the Passover. This is many spread their cloaks on the robe and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. This is your sacrifice to Yeshua when you accept the Lord as your personal Savior. Now, there are many, many Time does not allow us uh, to give you all of the illustrations. 
This is a whole Bible study within itself, but time does not allow us to give you all of the illustrations that have to do with the triumphal entry. But this is an introduction that I tried to bring to you and share with you this morning. Now, what does that have to do with chosen people ministry? What it has to do with chosen people ministry is that we are an evangelistic organization. Now, that doesn't mean we don't do Bible teaching. We teach Bible. We have Bible studies. We have a seminary. We, we do all of that to study ourselves, uh, study to show ourselves approved. But first and foremost, we are an evangelistic outreach of the church. I mentioned the Great Commission. We have to refer to the Great Commission as the Great Omission because the last people group, the almost the last people group to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the people that brought the Lord Jesus Christ to us. So we are an evangelistic organization. When we teach the spreading of the cloaks on the road and the leafy branches before the Lord, we're presenting the gospel we're introducing the gospel. We're welcoming the gospel to the Jewish people. And we do that in many different ways, but we highlight testimony. Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Gentiles, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does this have to do with chosen people ministry? It gives me an opportunity to introduce to you the coming of the Lord, and it gives me an opportunity to introduce to you the evangelistic outreach of chosen people ministry. As I said, there are many more, many, many more things that I could expound from Mark chapter 11 and other passages, but for the sake of time this morning, uh, we've given you an opportunity to see just an overview of this great, marvelous teaching that Jesus gave us in a language the people could understand. Would you take out this little brochure entitled Chosen People Ministry? And let me tell you what I'm going to ask you to do, if you don't mind. This little brochure is a prayer tool. It's something that we want you to keep. It tells a little bit about Chosen People Ministry. It tells a little bit about Ben and Bonnie. Um, but on the end of the brochure is a tear-off portion. And this tear-off portion, this doesn't take a great deal of instruction. This tear-off portion calls for your name, address, city, phone number, but it mostly we need your email. This is a method of communication today. You may already know this, but we cannot rely much longer on the post office. It's becoming incredibly expensive for us to communicate with you every month, for chosen people ministries to communicate with you every month. But we can do it very inexpensively if you will give us your email. Um, We want you to fill this out. It talks about being Gentile and Jewish, believing in Jesus and not believing in Jesus. But then it says, please send me your newsletter And that's important for us because that's our way. I would like to be able to write each and every one of you individually. But we publish a monthly prayer letter, monthly newsletter, and we want you to let us send that to you. 
Now, the next line says, I am contributing blank. Now, from the bottom of my heart, here's what I'm asking you to do. Please don't leave that blank. If you give to Chosen People Ministry, 99%, there is a, a, about a 1% administrative cost that we have, but 99% of your money will go directly to a Jewish evangelism credited through Ben and Bonnie Alford. It's the way that we raise our support. You don't give directly to us, but you give to the ministry, just like the cooperative program, and the ministry takes care of us. Uh, today, many people don't use a checkbook. So there's a way on this brochure that teaches you how to use a debit card or a credit card. And I want you to know this is secure. We've absolutely never, up until now, had a problem with it. I hope we never do. Uh, then it, it gives you those instructions. If you write a check, just write it out to Chosen People Ministry. Then what I want you to do is after you get that all filled out, I want you to keep this prayer tool with you. And I want you to separate this tear-off portion. If you use cash, just place the cash inside and fold it over for your own privacy. If you use the check, do the same way. If you use the credit card, do it the same way. Just fold it over for your own privacy. Pastor's going to come in a moment and he's going to tell you how we're going to receive this offering. Let me explain to you that this church has already been incredibly generous to us with the Chosen People Ministries and with our expenses for coming here. This is, a, in addition to that, this is giving you the opportunity to receive a blessing by supporting Jewish evangelism. And I pray that you'll take advantage of that blessing. Uh, Bonnie and I are going to stay right here uh, pastor is going to dismiss us after he gives us an uh, explanation about taking up the offering. And we're going to stay right here. And if you have any other questions or want to see the Talit or have any uh, discussion about that, we'll be right here to take care of that. So I apologize for the telephone. I've been in ministry for 50 years and I can't believe anything surprises me anymore, but I, I just unbelievably sorry that that happened. I'm, I'm normally not that irresponsible, so please excuse that. Uh, Pastor, if you would come and bless us uh, with the explanation and the dismissal, we love you and appreciate you, and we want to stay right here to hear from you.